Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You may see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I, it is an extreme honor for me to be here. Uh, my wife's name is Debbie also, so let me say it that way so you know when I say Debbie and I, you don't think I'm talking about Pastor Miles' wife, Debbie, but <laughs> Debbie and I love Pastor Miles and Debbie, all right? And we love them very, very much. Pastor Miles has been at Gateway Church many, many times and uh, at our conference and at our weekend services and things like that and uh, two of our conferences. And a few years ago, we were actually vacationing at the same resort uh, as Pastor Miles and Debbie. And I remember looking across and seeing him. And you know, you know someone. This was before we'd gotten to know each other real well. And we'd met one time before at a conference or something. I'm looking across there thinking, I think I know that guy. And then he kept looking over at me like, I think I know that guy, you know. So uh, we got together and, and then we, were having, we had dinner several times. And so we've known each other for a long time. And uh, I, I know you know this. I know you know what I'm about to say, but I, I want to say it anyway. Uh, I travel quite a bit and speak in many, many churches uh, around the world. Uh, you are so blessed to have Pastor Miles McPherson as your pastor. You are way blessed, way blessed. So, as I said, my wife's name is Debbie, um, and today... <laughs> And she, she let me do this because we love, this is how much she loves Pastor Miles and Debbie herself. Today is our 35th wedding anniversary. Today. So, uh, so uh, uh, in, and I know when you look at us, you think 35 years, you know, how could they, you know, well, it, it was the biggest uh, event, our wedding of the, of the fifth grade. It was uh, so... Um, <laughs> But I actually brought a picture of my family. Uh, if they could show this, this is my family. We have three children, uh, grown and married, and uh, two sons uh, and uh, a daughter there. Now, you, if you, note, you might notice my son-in-law <laughs> looks different than the rest of us. <laughs> He's taller. Uh, so that's uh, my beautiful family. Uh, all of our children are grown and married. Now, some of you don't know why I said and married. Well, let me go ahead and explain it to you so you'll know what you have to look forward to. Because all of our children are grown and married, that means that Debbie and I are now wealthy. <laughs> because we've gotten them out. Uh, we love our children. We're just glad they're gone. Uh, but um, no, we love them very much. And we have six grandchildren now. Uh, that picture showed five. We've had one since then. So six grandchildren. So I just want to say I'm glad to be here. All the campuses and the microsites and the military that are watching around the world. And I'm glad to be a part of this series, True Lovers, and talk about words of affirmation. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, all right? If you're not taking notes, Write this down, okay? Um, I want to talk to you about the love language of giving. This is a love language, and God created the love languages, as Pastor Miles said the last couple of weeks and last week on Words of Affirmation. It, it, it is God's love language. This is one of his love languages, and of course, he has all five. But I want you to think about this. For God so loved the world that he 
gave. If he had just loved and not given, we wouldn't be here today. And so why in the world did God even create giving in the first place? And I want to take it to a deeper level than maybe you've ever heard before. And There is a principle in Scripture that is known as the principle of first. And giving relates to this principle. So I want to show you some scriptures. If you've got your Bible there, if you'll turn to Exodus chapter 13 um, or, or click to Exodus 13. However you read the Bible, it's okay, just read it. Uh, but in Exodus chapter 13, I want to show you this principle in a few different forms, all right? The principle of first, which really has as its underlying current the love language of giving, all right? So Exodus chapter 13, uh, look at verse 1. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me. Consecrate's a big fancy word, which means set aside or set apart, all right? Set apart to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both the man and beast, it is mine. Now, I I wish I could explain to you uh, from my study of the Hebrew language Uh, how emphatic this phrase is in the Hebrew. It is mine. It is my property. It belongs to me. God has set aside or set apart the firstborn actually as his property, all right? It belongs to him. And then look down at verse 12, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be The Lord's, very similar wording in the Hebrew, shall belong to God, be God's property. Verse 13, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Now, we'll come back to that and talk about that. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it anyway because it's not yours. And all of the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so I have three points. Again, if you take your notes, you can write this down. Here's the first one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, that's what we just read, okay? But how do you know which to do? How do you know whether you sacrifice the firstborn or you redeem the firstborn, okay? Well, he gives us two uh, examples, two animals that are exemplary of two classifications of animals, a donkey and a lamb. A donkey represents an unclean animal and a lamb represents a clean animal. And here's the pattern. If your unclean animal has a firstborn, you have to redeem that firstborn with the sacrifice of a clean animal. If it's a clean animal that has a firstborn, like a lamb, then you have to sacrifice it. Now, I want to say that one more time so we catch it because somehow we're thinking, okay, I don't know what that has to do with us today. I'll tell you exactly what it has to do with us, okay? So, if, if the animal is clean, it has to be sacrificed, the firstborn. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Okay, let me bring this up and show you how it relates to us. Uh, were you and I born, spiritually speaking now, were you and I, when we were born on this earth, in, in our, the, state where we're, the state we were from God, were we born clean or unclean? We were born unclean. We were all born sinners. I can prove it to you by simply asking the experts in the room, the parents, let me just ask you one question. Do you have to teach your children to be bad? Or does it come naturally for them? 
we have to teach our children to be good, right? Because they're naturally born bad. We're born with a sin nature, the Bible says, okay? So we were all born unclean. Let me ask you this question. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. Okay, listen. Listen carefully because you're going to like this. Listen. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. Isn't that good? That's what this represents. So what I'm trying to show you is there are principles in Scripture that we, we don't still sacrifice animals today. We know Jesus was sacrificed once for all. Hebrews 7, 9, and 10 says, okay, once for all. But we, there's a principle here. It's the principle of giving the first to God. And when you give the first to God, the rest are redeemed. See, God said, when your sheep has a lamb, give me the first one. He didn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 lambs and then give me one of them uh, and you can give me the one that keeps getting in your garden that you don't like. <laughs> he said, no, you give me the first one when you only have one and only to promise some more. See, that takes faith. That's speaking God's love language. When you give God the first and you don't have any more and you have to trust him for the other nine, that's giving. That's true giving. That's God's love language, all right? So you, this is a principle that runs all through Scripture. And we're going to relate this to tithing in a moment, but I want you to understand that it's so amazing that so many people have this hang-up about tithing, but it's really not about that. It's about giving the first 10% to God. It's about giving to God and speaking God's love language. It's about whether you're going to trust God with your finances or not, or whether you think you can do a better job or not. It's very important. Uh, you saw a picture there of my uh, son-in-law and my daughter. Uh, when uh, they first began dating, and he came to me and asked for permission, and I set up guidelines, and he followed all of them. He's a tremendous man of character. Uh, I remember the first time he came over, I took him into my office and showed him my gun collection, and, and we had a good talk. But um, anyway, they were standing around at the front of the sanctuary one day after the young adult service, all the young adults of our church. And they were in a group, and he had just gotten permission to start dating my daughter, Elaine. And they got to laughing and talking about what it would be like to date the pastor's daughter. And then one of them said to my daughter, you know, your, your dad is so uh, intense and so serious and so convicted about tithing, I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. <laughs> and my daughter said... He does. <laughs> and I did. Well, here, let me ask you it's just a real simple question. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? And don't get offended at me. That's not my word. That's God's word. God said, you're robbing me. You're, you're robbing me. You're stealing from me because it belongs to me. Here's another question. Why would I give my daughter to a man who can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money, I mean, he definitely can't handle my daughter because my daughter is a handful. <laughs> <laughs> and what's amazing with God, God says, bring the first 10% to me. Let me redeem the rest. You know what he's doing? He's redeeming it out from under a curse. That's where the curse comes in. in Malachi, God's not cursing you. We live in a cursed world. He wants to redeem your finances out from under the curse. Here's the number one reason people say that they don't tithe. They say, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. 
Can I tell you something lovingly? You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what removes the curse. And, then, and it's the, by the way, a tithing is also the only area you can test God. That's what he said. I'm not, I'm not making this up, okay? Go read it. Malachi, he said, test me. Test me and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. In other words, you can give more. Then he goes, and, and, you know, that's kind of like if you call right now, <laughs> and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Wow. Wouldn't that be good for, if God rebuked the devil for you? And it only costs 10%. <laughs> That's a good deal. A business person should be able to at least figure that out. Okay, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's point number two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Again, this is a principle in Scripture. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, where the tithe goes, it goes into the house of God. Does it go to a missionary? I believe in giving to missionaries, but that's over and above the tithe. Does it go to a university or to a Christian school? It's always, always the tithe is to come into the house of God. And I want you to notice the word bring. You shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can only return it. You bring it into the house of God. Listen, I believe so strongly in this. I have stood in front of our church for years and I've made this statement. You tithe for one year. And if you are not fully satisfied at the end of that year, I will give you your money back. And I'm telling you, I'm so convinced, I personally am so convinced of this, I'll tell you, you tithe for one year to the Rock Church, and if you're not personally satisfied, Pastor Miles will give you your money back. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being funny, and I've enjoyed being with you my one and only time ever at the Rock Church. Oh, no, I'm kidding. All right, so here's the point. You bring the first to God. Uh, think about this. When they went into the promised land, you remember this, the children of Israel in the promised land? You remember what God said about Jericho? Bring, bring, he didn't say give, bring all of the silver and gold into the house of the Lord. But he said all of it from Jericho. Now, why would he say that? Well, it's real simple, because Jericho was the first city. See, you're speaking God's love language when you bring him the first. You bring me the first, and he said, I'll take care of all the rest of the cities. And remember, when they kept some of it, by the word God again used the word stolen, the people have stolen from me, God used that word, stolen from me, then they couldn't defeat the second city. Bring all. Um, when I was in college, one of the students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor, I was so proud of him for a very honest answer, he said, I really don't know. But when you understand what we just read, that the firstborn, we give the firstborn and first fruits to God, Watch and see. You'll see how clear it is. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, that's very important, those words. In the process of time, it came to pass, just kind of came to pass, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it does not say first fruit. 
Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. You see that? You want to speak God's love language? You bring him the first. This is amazing. Abel, who's a rancher, brings the firstborn. Cain, who's a farmer, does not bring first fruits. He just brings an offering in the process of time. Uh, here's another way to say that. He gave what he wanted when he wanted. A lot of Christians do that. And God said, no, I'm not accepting that. And it's not just that God wouldn't. I'm going to go into some theology with you here. It's that God couldn't. There are some things God can't do. A lot of people don't realize this because they, they think of the attributes of God. And they think his sovereignty means he can do anything he wants. It's not what the word sovereign means. Sovereignty means that he's the supreme ruler of the universe. But it doesn't mean that God can do anything that he wants. And let me tell you why. God can never act outside of himself. He can't act outside of his character. In other words, the Bible comes straight out and tells us God cannot lie. He can't lie. There are some things God can't do. The reason he can't lie is because he is truth. He doesn't just speak truth. He is truth. So he can't lie. I'll tell you a couple more things God can't do that a lot of people don't realize. God can't change. This is, again, if you wanted to go to the attribute, it's the immutability of God. God can't change. I'll tell you why he can't change. The reason God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better. And he can't get better because he's best. He's perfect. So God can never change. He can't change. Okay? I'll tell you something else God can't do, and this might shock you. And I like to say things and pause and then kind of clarify. God can't think the way we think. God can't think the way we think. This, you know, if you want the attribute, it's called the, it's called the omniscience of God. Omni-science. Omni means all. Science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. God knows everything at the same time. You see, the reason God can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out. Uh, God's not trying to figure anything out. Let me say it again. God knows everything at the same time. Okay, let me say it another way because I don't know if you're catching it yet. Uh, Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of. I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that. And when I said a moment ago, God can't think. And pause the way we think. You might have remembered a scripture about God's thoughts. Thought, no, wait, the Bible says God thinks. Now, let me tell you what it actually says. Here's what it says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher. In other words, here's what he's saying. I don't think like you. He can't because he knows everything, okay? So let me tell you something else that God can't do. This is called the preeminence of God, if you want the attribute. God can't be second. He can't. We can't. Preeminence means he's higher than all, before all, first of all, above all. He's above all. God can't be second. Now, I know we'll say things like, let's put God first in our lives. Okay, I, that's a good, good uh, uh, analogy, but let me just explain something. To you. Um, if God's not first in your life, that doesn't mean he's not first in the universe. He's still first. He's always first. So he could not accept Cain's offering. Because it was first. You want to speak God's love language? Giving's one of his love languages, but it means we give the first. The first. So let me show you one more point. Here's the last one, number three. The tithe must be first. 
The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, and all the tithe of the land, all, whether of the seed of the ground of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. In other words, it belongs to God like the firstborn and first fruits. It is holy or it is set aside, set apart to the Lord. Okay, the reason the tithe must be first is because it belongs to God and God's first. So let me give you a, a, an, an example of how this works out. And this is a math example, okay? So I'm telling you straight out because I realize half of you love math, half of you hate math. I realize that, okay? I love math. My father's a mathematical genius. I'm not a mathematical genius, but numbers add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. It just happens. It just, okay, it's, it's, uh, it just happens, okay? Matter of fact, Debbie and I were buying something a while back, $7.99. And the lady said, I'll have to add the tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I said, it's 66 cents. And she looked at me for a minute, and then she did it like this. She said, it's 66 cents. <laughs> yeah, I know, lady. Uh, but I didn't say, I just, okay, thank you. And so we got out in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? And I thought that she was ask actually asking me how I did that. Guys, let me just tell you something. They don't care when they say that. They're just kind of complimenting, okay? They don't want you to tell them actually how you figured it out, okay? So, but, but so I said to her, I said, I thought she was ask, actually asking. So I said, well, sugar, 799 is close to eight. Our tax rate is 8.25. Eight times eight is 64. A quarter of eight is two. 64 plus two is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said, it doesn't. <laughs> and then she said, but I know what 75% off means. <laughs> I actually said, she said 25%. And I said, okay. So then I thought she's still talking math. I said, okay. So if something's $100 and it's 25% off, I was giving her an easy one. I said, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. And then she goes on to say, she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. <laughs> what, sugar? She said, yeah. I said, wait, 50% free? She said, like I, like I admit it, you know, she said, duh. She said, 50% off is the same thing as buy one, get one free. So if it's 50% off, it's free. And then she said, and if it's 75% off, you're making money. <laughs> Which explains some difficulties we've had through the years in our checkbook. All right, so, so I'm going to give you a math illustration, but it won't last long, okay? Let's say that you're a landscaper and you come over and do some work at the house and you say, okay, Pastor Robert, uh, this is how much my materials will be. This is how much my labor will be. And my profit is going to be $1,000, okay? That'll be my profit after all expenses, okay? And I said, do you, that you do, do you agree to that, Pastor Robert? See, yes, I agree. So after you do the job, let's say I pay for all your expenses, and then for your profit, let's say that I give you $1,000 in cash. So 10 $100 bills in your hand, okay? So here's the math part. Some of you can tune out if you want, but stay with me, all right? So you have $1,000 
tithe comes from a Hebrew word which means tenth, tenth part. So it's the first ten percent. So you have it in your hand, you have a thousand dollars, so how much is the tithe? It's ten percent. How much is the tithe? Hundred dollars. But you have ten one hundred dollar bills in your hand, so which one is the tithe? Yeah, the first one, that's great, you're listening. So, but how do you know which one's the first one? Let me tell you how you know. It's the first one that leaves your hand. Now listen to me. If you go home and you say, now let me set aside some for the mortgage and some for the car and some for clothes and some for food, and here's God's part. No, that's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. And I don't want to burst your bubble, but God won't receive that anyway. He does not receive leftovers. Here's what sometimes we do. We've got to pay this, got to pay this, got to pay this. Uh-oh, there's not enough leftover for God. See, the tithe is when you give the first 10%. Now, and I'm not legalistic about it, but here's the way I do it personally. I get paid on the 15th and the 30th. So on the 15th and the 30th, and during my quiet time, I go online and immediately return the tithe to the church immediately, just immediately. I just do it online. It's the first thing I do. Now, the reason I say I'm not legalistic about it is because God knows your heart. So I'm not trying to give you some legalistic form of the way you tithe, but I am telling you that it's, I want to know in your heart is God first, and God wants to know that. That's how you speak his love language. Okay, so I'm not the type that, let's say I forget in the morning, and I rush out and I have a meeting, then I remember, oh, it's the 15th, I got paid, and I go home that night, open up the bank account, you know, the online banking, and I look and I see that Debbie's gone to the grocery store that day. I don't say to her, oh, that's great, sugar, we're cursed. <laughs> because it's about the heart. Let me show you one more scripture. At the end of Exodus 13, verse 14, it says, so it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, why are you giving the firstborn? This is back to the very first passage. That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. All right. So listen to me. Here's what he said is going to happen. He said, what's going to happen is that one day your son's going to come to you and ask you, why are you doing this? Do you remember that where we started that you have to sacrifice or redeem the firstborn? You remember that? So he said, why, why are you doing this? Why, why are you doing this? Okay, here's what he said, you, you say. You take your son and you say, son, um, I need to tell you something about our family that you don't know. But our family, we were not always in the ranching business. We, we did not own any animal, son. Son, we didn't own any land. Son, I, I hate to tell you this, but we were slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed us. Therefore, we gladly 
give to God the first of all of our increase. Okay, now this was written about 4,000 years ago. I had something very similar happen to me, just like this. Years and years ago, I was paying the bills, and we didn't do online banking at that time, so when I would get to do the bills after I get paid, the first check I would write would be the tithe check. I'd write the tithe check first, always first, because I'd seen this principle in Scripture. And then I'd set the tithe check over to the side so I could take it to church with me when I went on Sunday, and then I'd pay the bills. And one day my son, my oldest son, came in, and he was 9, 10 years old or so, but he has this mathematical mind too, so he understands numbers. And he saw the tithe check. Uh, By the way, for some of you younger people here, uh, we used to have little pieces of paper called checks. So that's, that's why the story, yeah, okay, all right, so, so anyway, he saw this check, and he saw the church, and he saw the amount, and it just shocked him, you know, a little boy, and he said, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remember this right here, your son's going to ask you about this one time. And I took my son, I actually set him on my lap, and I said, son, um, I need to tell you something about daddy that you don't know, son. But daddy wasn't always a Christian. And daddy was a very bad man. A very bad man. And daddy had no way to stop what he was doing. But God, with a mighty hand, rescued your daddy. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my interests. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to just take a moment and just, just kind of breathe a prayer in your heart. Please, everyone do this. It's so important not just to hear a teaching, but to apply it. I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? I want to challenge you to do something. I absolutely love that that Pastor Miles, last week as he talked about words of affirmation, said, go out and do it. Go do it right now. You know, one of the volunteers around here jokingly said, I had 3,000 people say thank you to me. Praise the Lord. But Pastor Miles also talked about that we use words of affirmation to God. Thank you that we praise him, that we enter his presence with praise. Well, I'm asking you today, why don't you speak God's love language today? I'm asking you before you leave, will you put him first? Before you leave, will you step out in faith And give God the first 10%.
where you bring the tithe into the house of the Lord. I, I promise you, I promise you on the authority of God's word. And, that I'm, that, and I, I want to give a disclaimer. I'm not saying that you just continue to spend more than you make and buy things on credit cards and you don't learn financial principles as well. But I promise you, you begin putting God first in the area of tithing and giving, it will change your life. It will change your life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll speak to every one of us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll put this principle so deeply in our hearts that we'll never doubt it again. And God, I know that according to your word, you open the windows of heaven. And I've seen that happen. And you rebuke the devourer. And I've seen that happen. Holy Spirit, I pray that for all of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I know I was blessed uh, just sitting, listening, being reminded of things that known for a long time. And I want to encourage you that as you leave today, we're going to pray for our, our morning uh, returning to the Lord. We're not given, we're returning uh, to the Lord. Uh, you've got those envelopes in your bulletin. Uh, if you want to use that, uh, our giving boxes are on every exit on your way out. You can also text in to give any amount uh, you can set it up just uh, text into our, our short code 59769 uh, and you'll get a prompt back on how to set that up if you've never done that before um, and also if you're watching online you can join us by clicking that give button in this moment of generosity but be, uh, before you leave um, we're, we want to bless you as well and so we've got a copy of Pastor Morris's book The Blessed Life uh, free for you in the lobby on your way out. Uh, just want you to be encouraged, want you to be blessed. We just ask that you take one per family so that all the services uh, can get a copy, uh, if you just respect that, on your way out. But go ahead and, and take your, your offering in your hand this morning. Let's uh, pray over those and, and let me pray a blessing over you as you engage in this principle of first because uh, I love that idea, that concept, that principle, that truth, that God is first, and we really only honor Him when we treat Him like He really is. So let's bow our hearts and pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for the truth of Your Word that makes it so simple, so clear. And God, we want to say thank You this morning for redeeming us with a mighty hand. May it never grow old in our heart. May we never take for granted that you so loved us that you gave to us first. And so now this morning, we want to give the first back to you in recognition, acknowledgement of your great love for us. So God, be honored today in our church. Be honored in our lives. Be honored as we return to you with just a small portion of all that you've given to us. We love you. And we offer it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Our pastoral support team is down front. If you need prayer for anything, God bless you. We'll see you next week.